a greyhound to the county line She's reading Marx and Lenin all the time She says, Jesus freak, you're such a fool I say, Satan loves you, thinks you're cool She's a socialist of the highest degree I'm a communist, her mother hates me You're an anarchist, you don't want anything from me I'm a Satanist, at least that's what I think I might okay. be Well, that's Vix. And that's Asher. And And this this is is Speak of of the Devil. The podcast where we lie in bed under a princessy pink canopy. And talk about Satan. Yeah. By the way, before we get much further into this, um, we need to give a big shout out to Jasmine, who was the coolest Uber driver ever. Yep. And who we somehow ended up telling about this podcast. And so, Jasmine, if you're listening, we deeply appreciate you. You're great. And also, this episode is not going to make any sense. Nope. Yeah, and we're, like, not the kind of podcasters who go around, like, telling Uber drivers about our podcast. Because... I mean, honestly, we're scared of getting yelled at. Yeah, and also that's just annoying, but... Yeah. I don't know, Jasmine was just really cool and kind of drew us out about it, and... Yeah, so that happens. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, um, we're thinking we'll probably be on a monthly-ish schedule every other week. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe we can kind of commit to doing at least one episode a month, and then if more happens, yay? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Um, and what we actually have planned right now is a two-parter. Yes, um, because this is a weird, complicated subject. It is. And also, this connects to what I was going to say about our uh, podcasting schedule, which is that there's a lot going on. With the church, which is awesome. Yep. And um, we're both starting to teach classes as well. Um, Vix has one on tarot coming up. Yep. And Asher has one on the subject of this particular episode. Yeah. um, In a sense, this two-parter episode is kind of going to be my class, more or less. Yep. Um, slash a really bad run-through of my class. Yes. So, <laughs> you're getting practiced on. You're all test you're subject. All, you're all my little lab rats right now, but I'm, I'm going to treat you very well because rats are actually very cute, and I would never hurt a rat. Rats are great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my class, which is happening um, Monday at the Wicked Annex, right above Wicked Grounds King Cafe in San Francisco, is called... Break on through to the other side, the Kleepote, which yes. is a really dorky classic rock and cobbler joke that you may be able to understand by the end of this episode. Yep. <clears throat> so, we, I don't know, should I just get into it? Sort of? Yeah, I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, a lot. Mostly, I'm sorry. 
I'm so sorry. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be fine. Okay. Well, you may have heard us mention words on this podcast before, such as Kabbalah or Kleepote, or I think we were usually saying Cliffoth or Cliffot back then. Yep. Because no one knows how to pronounce anything. Anything. Yeah, actually. Um, in this particular topic, no one knows how to spell or pronounce anything. Um, today we're talking just, about... I think in just in general. In no general, one. no one knows how to talk. Yes. And especially no one knows how to speak Hebrew. Yes. Except for people who actually speak Hebrew. But there's a lot of people trying to speak Hebrew who don't know that. Yep. And they're called magicians. <laughs> hey <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to be talking about... The Kleepote. The Kleepote, which is, in my understanding, sort of the more correct Hebrew way to spell and say it. Which That's... is not a mispronunciation of clipart, just so we're clear. Oh, my God. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's K-L-I-P-O-T. Kleepote. But you'll often see Cliffoth. Yep. Um, Q-L-I-P-H-O-T-H is kind of the more popular um, Western esotericist spelling of this. Yes. Um, so if you're trying to Google this topic, you might want to use that one. Yep. That said, I think that spelling is stupid. Um, the Kleepote are... The opposite of Sephirot. Or, well, not exactly opposite, well, right? yes. You are correct. But also, we're trying to dumb this down so we can get through it. Sorry. We will get into some nuance later. But I'm trying to just give the quick, dirty, painfully facile overview of what this is. Okay, yep, sorry. So... You may have heard of the Tree of Life and seen that cool-looking diagram, which is going to be posted in the description of the episode, and you're going to want to look at it. It's one problem with doing this topic as a podcast is you're going to want some visual aids. So yep. we'll provide them to you. Yep. Look at them with your eyeballs. They will be on the Podbean site. Yes. Um, otherwise, you can Google them. So there's the Tree of Life, and it's this cool-looking diagram of these, like, Ten little circles that are connected to each other with all these lines. Yep. And you'll see variations on it. They might have little, uh, like, Hebrew letters on them. They usually have numbers on them. They might yep. have names on them. Yep. People might be, like, sticking tarot cards on them and shit. And um, if you've encountered this, you may realize that it has something to do with high-level, highfalutin esotericism and may be confused. Or maybe you're a Kabbalist and we sound like idiots right now. But yes. this is not for you. This is for idiots like us. Um, yes. So the Tree of Life is... It can be looked at in a few ways. It's kind of like a diagram of the body of God in mm -hmm. one way. You kind of have the head at the top and the feet at the bottom. And there's like the different little sephirotes or like the shoulders and the like hips and the hands and the yep. belly button and the dick and whatever. Yep. Um, 
and also the bride, which is also the feet. That's very confusing. Sorry. Just try and, like, stick with us here. Kabbalah doesn't make a lick of sense if you hear one Kabbalistic concept described at a time. It's kind of like putting together a puzzle. Um, each individual piece doesn't make sense until you get it next to the other pieces. Yep. So just kind of go with it and try to understand the ba the battle. Um, so these these sephirot, it's um, they're emanations of God or attributes of God mm -hmm. is kind of a traditional way to look at them. Um, they correspond to points on the human body and points on the body of God. They can be used as kind of this um, cosmic filing cabinet or system of correspondences. Yep. Whereby you can sort of slot every single thing in concept that exists into one of them. Um, people will often assign planets to them in yep. Western esotericism, less more than in a Jewish Kabbalah in particular. Um, they've been used as initiatory, initiatory grades in systems like the Golden Dawn. Yep. Um, it can almost be kind of like a family tree, depending on how you're interpreting it. Especially if you're kind of more polytheistic than the relationships between the different gods that you're slotting into the different sephirot. Yep. Might work out that way. Um, the Tree of Life originates in Jewish Kabbalah. And that needs to be said right up front. Yep. Are you okay? What? Yeah. Are you, you're just kind of yepping. Well, yeah. I, I'm not sure I have anything to add. And also, I feel like when I... Ever I add something, I just keep causing you to feel like it's over complex, so. Well, y you can add stuff. Just okay. try and remember that we have to explain this to people who don't know what the fuck it is. It's, I know. I, I do know that. Okay. We don't even know what the fuck it is, really. Arguably, no one knows. So, yes, we're not going to go through a history of Kabbalism right now because that is way too much. But it's Jewish... And anyone who tells you different is wrong and possibly bad. Yeah, but at the same time, it's also been used from very not-Jewish perspectives. For a very long time. Yeah. and But I'm just giving credit where credit is that's due. That's true. That's true. Um, really, there's kind of three main types of Kabbalism, which is the original Jewish Kabbalah, Christian Kabbalah, which tends to be very douchey, and Western esoteric Kabbalah, which is still arguably appropriative, but at least unlike Christian Kabbalah, it's not literally designed to try to prove Judaism wrong and convert Jews to Christianity. Yep. Which is what Christian Kabbalah was mainly about. Um, so you've got this tree of life with the Sephirot on it. Mm-hmm. And we are going to talk about the Tree of Death, which has the Klepot on it. And it is very similar looking to the Tree of Life. Um, I earlier referred to it as the opposite of the Tree of Life, which isn't quite true. But as a way to just think about it in a simplified fashion, you know, you can go with that for a minute. Yep. And we'll come back to it in a minute. Um... So, how does the Tree of Life come into being? Because we need to talk about that before we can talk about how the Tree of Death comes into being. Yes. There's a lot of different variations on this. Um, 
sort of here's a version or a synthesis of versions uh-huh. that makes sense i hope so in the beginning you have n which is nothingness yep and then there is n sof which is without end mm-hmm. and then there is n sof or which is limitless light and this is kind of the Kabbalistic description of the very beginning of creation. And those are sort of three principles that come before the tree or any of the sephirot can even exist. Yes. And then the sephira kind of start to begin to emanate. Um, first, you've got Keter, which is the crown and is kind of like the unity of God. And then yep. that kind of splits into Chokmah. And Bina, which, um, Hokma is wisdom and Bina is understanding. Yep. And they're kind of the masculine and feminine divine aspects. And then those emanate down into a bunch of other sephirot that we're not going to talk about in detail. Yep. But it's kind of important to know that in Kabbalism, you've got this like little triad at the top that's the divine unity and then, like, the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Yep. And we'll get back to that later. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the first thing you do, the second you've got anything resembling a material reality, is invent gender. In- invent the gender binary. Exactly. Although, as you'll see as we get into this, um, androgyny is a big, yes. big deal in what we're going to talk about. Yes. So, you've got this tree of life. And we're going to post a diagram of this theorized version of the tree of life before the fall. Yeah. Which is kind of perfectly symmetrical. And you'll see, like, all of the sephira are just like, they're all lined up together symmetrically. And then something happens. And that is the fall, or the falls. Yep. The fall of the angels. The fall from Eden, the fall of man. Um, Take your pick, use both, whatever. Well, it's actually all of the above. Yes. Um, So what happens is that the Sephira Da'at, which is right below Keter, um, this represents Lucifer, is the theory. Mm -hmm. And Lucifer falls. So that kind of there's just a void left where that is. Yep. And then to balance that, you have um, Malkuth, the material world, created when um, Adam and Eve fall from Eden, which would have been sort of in the astral plane of Yesod. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with this tree that's got the material world kind of down at the bottom, separated from the rest of it. And has this weird gaping void near the top. Yep. Where Da'at was. Um, and so once Da'at drops out, this is one way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. You can imagine the tree of death as growing from Da'at. Yes. You can also imagine the tree of death as growing from Gevura, 
which is... On the left on, side. Yes. Um, Gavura is the Sephira of Severity. Um, I associate Gavura with, among other things, the War in Heaven. Yes. And actually specifically with God's response to the War in Heaven. Um, so yeah, the inverse tree, Tree of Death, growing out of that. Um, the left side, hence the left emanation. Um, left-hand path. Left-hand path. Uh, the left emanation is also called Sitra Ahra, which means other side. Mm-hmm. Hence, break on through to the other side. Yes, And dear. I'm so sorry. It's fine. <laughs> so, we've got a whole other tree now. The tree of knowledge. The tree of death. Um, yes, you can think of these two different trees as being the trees of Eden. Yep. And the interesting thing... Oh, sorry. What? Also, Da'at can be the plucked apple. Yes. And I was about to say that. Sorry. It's fine. Um, yeah, because the interesting thing about Da'at is that it's the Sephira that's not a Sephira, and it's the Klippa that's not a Klippa. It both is and is not on both of the trees. Yes. And some people, Western esotericists in particular, see that as the point where you can go from one side of the tree to the other. Yep. Um, which is pretty cool. So, and Da'at means knowledge, by the way. Yep. So, there's your Lucifer and plucked apple from the tree kind of association yep. there. Um, so, good so far? Yeah. Probably not making any sense, but that's okay. Um, the other thing you're going to need to know before we get too much farther is not only is there this like crazy diagram tree spider web looking thingamabobber. Yep. With all these different little spheres or realms or worlds or whatever the fuck they are on mm -hmm. it. It's also going through four different planes of being. Or four worlds. Um, so at the top, where you've got like Keter, Hukmah, Bina, mm -hmm. is called Atsilut, which is like the highest realm. It's the realm of archetypes, of forms, of... You could think of it as the absolute. Yes, Atsilut, absolute. Good way to remember. Then um, just one level down from that is Bria, which is the creative world. Um, and can be thought of as emotional, um, yeah, sort of the emotional plane versus the spiritual plane. And these are dumbed down ways to talk about them, but yeah. we've got to start somewhere. And beneath Bria, you have Yetzira, which is the formative world and the world of the intellect. And at the bottom, you have Asia, which is the sort of active material world Yep. And um, you can think Asia because you sit on your ass. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Asilut. Absolute. Asia, sit on your ass. Yes. Um, hopefully sitting on your ass is associated enough with the material plane for you for that yep. to work. Um, you also have a bunch of different souls. According to Kabbalism. Yep. Um, 
including the Nefesh, the Ruach, and the Neshama, yep. which are the three most important ones. There are two others? Yeah, that you share with other people, though. Yeah. So they're not just yours, and they're, like, really high up there and weird. Yes. So the Nefesh is, like, the soul of your body. The Ruach is, like, the soul of your mind. And the Neshama is, like, your spirit. Yep. And you can kind of correspond them to, like, id, ego, and superego. But not really. Not really, but we're giving you some analogies here that are imperfect, just so you can be like, okay... And as you might be able to guess, you can kind of associate the Nefesh with Asiya, the material plane, mm -hmm. the Ruach with Yetzera, the mental or astral plane, mm -hmm. the Neshima with Bria, and possibly Atsilut, just everything above it. Yep. Atsilut is also possibly where you get into the two other souls that are way up there and confusing. Yes. <laughs> um, so, both of the trees kind of go through those different planes. Yep. And it's a good idea when you're working through these to um, split up your diagram of the tree into the different planes, just so you know where everything's kind of happening. Yep. Think of the planes as like floors of a building, practically. Yeah. And each of the little spheres is an apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good way to think of it. So, okay. We've got that set up, more or less. You understand different worlds, kind of, the different souls, the fact that there's two trees... So, if the Tree of Life and the Sephirot are the body of God, you know, the the Tree of Death, the Klepot, are kind of like the body of the Infernal or a map of Hell, potentially. Yep. Um, people who use the Klepot in their practice usually definitely see the different spheres as different realms or worlds, you know, different apartments, yep. um, with different demons presiding in them. Yep. And uh, planetary attributions yep. that are kind of the same as the ones given to the Sephirot, generally. Good. Yeah. So... I know. Do, do you think I'm making sense so far? I think you're I overall... I mean, the one thing we haven't really explained is that you can travel between these. Between the different spheres? Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, that's a thing. And um, some sort of Western esoteric practitioners travel between the Sephirot. Yes. Um, but I almost feel like people who work with the Klepot are doing more of that. Yeah, I think... Because it's... Well, it's it's like more of the primary way that people work with the Klepot. Okay. Whereas a lot of people working with the Sephirot, like in Jewish Kabbalah, you're not really traveling between them very much. You're no, just like... Contemplating. Contemplating them. them. Um, and, you know, Western esoteric Kabbalah is kind of like... You're contemplating them you're using them as like this filing cabinet to like yep. slot lots of stuff into and you might be traveling between them yep 
I mean, there's the whole idea of path working. Yeah, exactly. But, like, I feel like even in Western esotericism, path working and sphere working is not, like, the primary use okay. of the Tree of Life. That was not the impression I got, but okay. Okay, tell me about your impression. I mean, um, so I got the impression that, like, in Western esoteric circles, like, you'd be, like, connecting the spheres with the tarot and then often using the tarot as a basis for path working. Yeah, some of them, but it's not the primary okay. use. Because... Well. Tons of Western esoteric practitioners are using the Sephiroth for all kinds of things without ever even contemplating pathworking. Okay, because, yeah, I, uh, mostly I just heard of people pathworking. Yeah. Um, I I need to look into the history of that. Yes. But um, I don't think people were pathworking that much until Crowley, really. Yes, that is also what I understand. I just meant in modernity. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm talking about esoteric, Western esoteric Kabbalahs going back oh, a bit farther than okay. that. Okay, sorry. And I do think even in modernity, like, eventually most Western esotericists are going to know what all the Sephira are. Yeah. But they're not necessarily ever going to path work. Yeah. And they're going to be like, oh, you know, I know that, like... Jupiter goes here and yeah. Mars goes here and this tarot card goes there, but not necessarily pathwork. Yep. Anyway, weird debate. I'm certainly not saying you're wrong. Okay. The thing is, though, that almost everyone who does anything with the Klepote is pathworking and sphere working. Mm -hmm. um, unless you're in like Jewish Kabbalah that doesn't even really talk about the Klepot that much. Mm -hmm. um, but specifically Lurianic Kabbalah and um, the Shabbatai Zvi heresy uh -huh. concerns themselves with the Klepot a little bit, but that wasn't path working. Yes. Um, even though Zvi was fucking with the Klepot more than he should have been, arguably. <laughs> Zevi was fucking with a lot of things. He, he was. He was. Yeah. Fun guy. So, back to the point. Um, yes, definitely left-hand path type people who are working with the Klepote are, I would say, mainly doing path working and sphere working. And initiating through the realms. Yep. Um, there's a lot of ways to approach doing that. I would say, I mean, there are a few different texts on this of varying degrees of quality. Expect to have to reinvent the wheel yourself a bit at this point. Yep. And also, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this type of path working to complete magical beginners. It tends to be a little intense. It does. It's a little ass kicky. Yeah. I mean, it's very rewarding. It's lovely, but, like, know what you're doing. Yeah. It's definitely the most intense magic I've ever tried to do. And, um, you know, I, I've gotten physically ill after sphere workings. Yeah. I've been um, so 
discombobulated and dissociated from the physical plane that I've almost set my house on fire. Yep. Um, while in a certain sphere. You'll hear more about that later. Funny story. Yeah. So, it's emotionally and mentally intense. Yep. Um, and, you know, maybe kind of get your feet under you in magic and Satanism first. This isn't an initiatory path. Like, if you're in the Golden Dawn, then it's like, oh, yes, you know, Malkuth is, like, the lowest. And, like, if you just walked into the Order, then you're yeah. aligned with Malkuth. A brand new baby Satanist should not necessarily go straight into Nehemoth. Yep. Even though it's the same level on the trait. Yep. It's... I mean, we got sick for, like, a week after doing yeah. that. It was it was like jet lag, but also like I don't even know a, sh- a bad cold. It was like jet lag and a bad cold, but we didn't actually have a cold. <laughs> yep. Um. So all that said, what does it mean to enter a sphere? Because you know, it's not like we actually have a magical wardrobe that we can enter the Kleepote through physically as if it were Narnia. Yep. Um, you can... Working on it, though. Move on. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, you know, that'd be nice, I guess. Yep. It might also be scary. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my god, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, to enter the Kleepote, like, yes, you can sort of astrally travel to it but it's almost more accurate to say that instead of going anywhere you summon it to you yeah um you do your ritual with the intention of entering the particular klipa that you're trying to go to Mm -hmm. and then what you'll find is that your life comes under the influence of that sphere yep And you're going to experience some trials and lessons and changes and alterations of emotions and mentality and point of view that have to do with that sphere. And then when you want it to stop, you can try going to the next sphere, I guess. Sometimes you can go back to the sphere before. Yep, you're allowed always to, you're allowed to go back to base camp. Yeah, but the thing is, once you've actually entered the Clevehote, base camp is Nehemoth forever. Yes. Because Nehemoth overlaps with the physical realm. Yep. Just the way that Malkuth, the Sephira uh-huh. that is equivalent to Nehemoth, overlaps with the physical realm. Yep. So... Once you go into the Kleepote, you're kind of in the Kleepote forever. But you can always go back down to Nehemoth. Yes. If you need things to get a little less intense. Yeah. That said, upon first entering Nehemoth, it's really intense. Yes. But you get used to it. Yes. Um, Theor- I mean, sorry, this is a somewhat theoretical yeah. question. Theoretically, do you think a practitioner could do a working to go back to Malkuth if they wanted to? Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I'm 
See, the way I see it is that Malkuth, Malkuth means kingdom. Yes. So Malkuth represents the plane of physical reality that is under the domain of that god. Yes. You know, it's it's the kingdom of God well, yes, on Earth. I meant if like someone decided to leave our faith. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. You would have to yeah. leave Satanism to go back to Malkuth. Yeah. So in a sense, entering Nehemoth, when you get right down to it, if you're a Satanist, entering Nehemoth and being stuck in Nehemoth forever is not that big a deal. Yep. Because it just means that you're in the uh, the Satanic version of this reality. Yep. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a lot. I wonder yep. if we'll make sense when we listen to this. I'm scared. It'll be fun to find out. It'll be interesting. So, where the fuck was I? You enter a sphere, the sphere enters your life. Now, you can also astrally journey through them and explore them that way, and that's cool. Yep. But it's not always going to be where the big magic happens, Yep. in my experience. Um, that might... Partly be because I'm not that much of an astral magician yet. But also it could just be because really, you know, demons love and probably like clipotic spheres probably just love coming and just making you deal with your shit. Yep. Yeah. Um, Because... I mean, that's one of the things I love about this path of initiation is that it has been so practical. Yeah. Like, okay, for the rest of this episode, by the way, we're basically going to be talking about our experiences with the first three spheres, which technically are spheres 10, 9, and 8, um, Lilith, Gamaliel, and Samael, which are the spheres that we've been to yep. so far. Um and we're probably just going to, like, be telling you stories and anecdotes. Yes. And talking about how we did it and what we learned. Incidentally, the sphere of Lilith is also Nehemoth. Oh, yeah. That's a really irritating thing. Um, names not being standardized. Yep. <laughs> thing to note. Indeed. Yeah. So, like... For example, though, regarding the way that practical lessons from the spheres come into your life. Yes. What were you giggling about? I'm literally just thinking about the time the cat jumped onto the bed while we were podcasting. Well, hopefully he can't get in right now. <laughs> yes, we installed a new baby gate. Anyway, moving on. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my God. So, for example... In the sphere of Samael, which means poison of God, and is associated with, among other things, both poison and medicine, for example. While I was in there, I somehow, coincidentally, ended up coming to the realization that I really needed to get on anti-anxiety meds. And I realized I needed my antidepressants adjusted. Yeah. So that's like a very obvious-ass example. Of, like, the trials and lessons coming up in a very practical way. Yep. Um, when I was in Nehemoth, I had, like, a big confrontation with my mother that I think yep. changed our relationship permanently. Yep. 
And Nahemoth has a lot of mom stuff going on. Oh, yes. You know? I think we we might have been Nahemoth when my mother apologized to me. You're right. We had gone back down to Nahemoth. Yep. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Um, just a couple examples. Who knows what'll happen to you if you do this? Can we pause for a second? Yes. Yes. Okay, hello. After drinking some water out of stale cup, or some stale water out of a cup, I uh, feel a lot better because I was talking too much and my throat was very dry. Um, and I've also remembered that I forgot to say that the meaning of clepote is shells or dregs or vessels. Yep. Like that now empty glass. Anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... <clears throat> I don't know. Should we just kind of try and, like, tell the story of how we got into this shit from the beginning? Yeah, that seems like a... I feel like, honestly, explaining what we've done is a useful way to explain what these are and how to use them. Exactly. Because, honestly, when we first went in, we... we didn't really know what they were. Yep. And, by the way, like, it, it don't... I don't recommend that. <sighs> but I have an excuse. <laughs> you see, what happened was last December I had a dream about a big-ass dragon who said his name was Nishimaron, which was a name I'd never fucking heard before. Yep. And um, then I woke up and I searched this name and I found out that Nishimaron is the name of one of the inhabitants of Nahimeth. Yep. The bottom clepote. Um, which is also called Lilith, which is really confusing. Because it's ruled by Nama. Nama. And the clepote that's ruled by Lilith is called Gamaliel. So, fuck calling it Lilith. That's too confusing. It's called Nehemoth, damn it. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I had this weird dream with this fucking clepote dragon. Um, that again, I'd never fucking heard of, but I got the name in the dream. Yep. Um, and it was a weird dream. It was like, first it seemed like it was trying to attack me, uh -huh. but then I realized it was playing and yep. we started like kind of dancing together. Yeah. Which oddly, I've heard other practitioners have similar experiences with Nishimuron, where yeah. he'll come up seeming all threatening and then you realize he just kind of wants to play. Yep. Um, like a big puppy. I felt that I'd been invited. Yeah. I felt that seeing this entity in a dream in that way, when I hadn't really known anything about it before, seemed like a pretty clear invitation. Yeah. And I'd been feeling the tug of them for a little bit, so. Yeah. No, we, we'd been studying the clipote sort of as, like, a way to understand the relationships between a lot of the consorts of Lucifer. Yeah. In particular. Because they, well, almost all of them have Klepa that yes. they rule over. Aggie doesn't seem to have one yet, all of her own. Yep. Maybe she's too young, I don't know. <laughs> yes. So, it was good that we had a pretty good relationship with the consorts of Lucifer. Yes. And that Vix channels them at the drop of a hat. 
Yeah, literally. Literally. I could drop a hat right now and Vix would just start channeling. Probably. I don't even need to drop a hat. Yep. Who knows? <laughs> so I was able to pretty directly talk to Nama mm -hmm. due to this. Um, and discuss, like, well, okay, Nama, how are we gonna come into Behemoth? Are we supposed to do this? Mm -hmm. How should we do it? And um, I was able to devise a ritual in collaboration with yes. Nama directly to get us in. And uh, we don't necessarily have to go into the gory details, but it, let's say it was a sex magic ritual. Yep. And it worked. Yep. Um, and we were sick for like a week after. Yep. It seriously felt so much like jet lag. There was just that sense of having come a massive distance. It really, it did feel very much like that. Like when you've just gotten off a long flight and nothing is real and you're just so tired and your sleep schedule is the weirdest thing in the world and you don't know what's going on. Yep. For about a week. Um, but we, we got over it. Yep. And started kind of exploring Yehemoth and its lessons. And a bunch of mom stuff happened. Because of course it did. We also made a ton of money. Yep. If you know anything about Nama, you can learn a lot about Yehemoth by just thinking about what she stands for. If you want to, you can go la back and listen to the Consorts episode. Yeah. But as as best I can figure out, Nehemoth is kind of about family and history and money and memory and the world. Yeah. You know, both nature and human societies. And human relationships. Think earthy. Very earthy. Very like suit of pentacles in tarot. Yep. Um, I also had this sense of trauma and history and memory in like a very archetypal way. Yes. And of like almost like the collective unconsciousness of like the traumatized and the oppressed. Yep. Not that I usually pull out the like Jungian language but that was what it felt like what it felt like yeah um oh also it's definitely associated with sex yep as are many of the Klipa yep arguably most of them yep but there were definitely libido changes oh yes and the thing I'm learning is that uh one can keep having libido changes in, like, different weird directions the more yep. Klepa you go through. Yep, you can find yourself, like... Klepote. Sorry, Klepa is singular. Klepote <laughs> is plural. Ugh. Yep. Um, as I was saying, uh, yeah, no, you can find yourself wanting, like, different kinds of sex than you normally do. Mm-hmm. In different ways than you normally do. Yeah, possibly with different people than you normally do. Who yep. knows? Who yep. knows? More or less sex, of course, as well. Yeah. Usually more. Usually more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after we 
And by the way, I can't stress this enough, as I already mentioned, you know, having good relationships with some of the demons in there before you get in there is really nice. Yep. But you kind of want to have... This is such a cheesy sounding phrase, but spirit guides of some sort. You know? Yeah, well, like, think of it as a little bit like going to a new city. Yeah. Like, you can do the tourist thing, but you're not going to get the full experience. That's true. It's way better if you have, like, a friend there. Yeah, and also if, you know, you know the locals then you're less likely to get, like... Scammed. And, like, mugged. mugged. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure what the quipotic equivalent of getting scammed and mugged would be, but I don't want to find out. Yep. Demons can be lovely, but they're also demons. Yes. So, after we'd been in Nehemoth for a while, we kind of consulted um, with Lucifer. Yep. And some of our other sources with Lilith and Nama as well. Yep. As to whether it was time to move up to Gamaliel, the yes. ninth, ninth sphere. And we did that. Yes. Funny story, though. Yes. They did initially tell us it was not time to leave Nehemoth because you don't leave Nehemoth while you're alive. Yeah, you don't fully leave Nehemoth while you're alive. Yeah. Unless you go back to Malkuth, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we went up to Gamaliel. It was another sex magic ritual. Big surprise. Yep. Um, <laughs> and um, Gamaliel's different because it's the first... Astral. Exactly. So, like, Nehemoth is in Asia, as we talked earlier. Yep. The physical, you know, on your ass realm. Yep. Um, once you go up to Gamaliel, you're in Yatsura, which is the mental astral plane. Yep. Um, Gamaliel is kind of like, well, it's associated with the moon. Yep. Just as Nehemoth is with the earth. Yep. Um. It's ruled by, quote unquote, ruled by Lilith. I don't like the word ruled because I'm too much of an anarchist. Yeah. I've been saying inhabitants yep. when I list the demons who yep. sort of preside. Yeah, like it's like it's like Lilith's room. Yeah. Or like Lilith's house. Except it's like a universe. Yeah. Um yeah, all of these are really big, by the way. Yes. Like and this is a thing, like, you can do them in order, but I don't like the idea of thinking of them as this initiatory system that's linear and goes from lowest to highest. Yeah, your your goal is not to get to the highest one as quickly as possible. Yeah, and like, you should never feel like you downgraded if you go back or down or whatever, yeah. because there's always more to find in all of these. Yeah. Um. So yeah, basically, inhabiting Gamaliel is uh, Lilith and a bunch of her weird little ghost baby demons. Yep. Um... Which, I recall, when we first went in, I was really exhausted after, and um, sensed that I was getting my energy sucked on by... Hungry demon babies. Her little demon babies. And I asked her to call them off, and she was like, oh, sorry about that. Yep. And then we were fine. Yep. But you, you want to watch out for, like, 
they don't mean any harm. It's just what they do. They're they're just gonna latch they, onto you and try and suck on your energy. Because they, well, a lot of them never finish nursing. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, like, I mean, Lilith and Gamaliel are both so associated with dreams and sleep and sleep paralysis and yeah. astral and out-of-body experiences and wet dreams and just all that kookiness. Yep. Um, I definitely had an experience where I was lying in bed at night and I could physically feel something hugging me kind of overly tightly. And it wasn't me. You know, it wasn't you because I became aware that I could also feel you lying close to me, but this thing was like overlapping with you. Yeah. And it was like I could temporarily feel the astral thing hugging me more vividly yeah. than I could feel you. And you were in a different position than it. Yes. Um and I thought it, I was on the other side from it. Um, not exactly. It's it's hard to like just describe yep. in okay. words. Yep. It was like we were lying side by side and I had my arm kind of under your neck and we were yeah. both on our backs. Okay. And then the thing was like curled toward me and like wrapped oh. all the way around me. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it was Lilith, pretty yep. sure. Um, I mean, she said it was her. So. Yeah, she said it was her. And that's very, uh, you know, her kind of thing to do. Lilith is very snuggly. She is very snuggly. Um, I actually, I ended up asking her to not squeeze me so tight because it was a little hard to breathe and she backed off. Yep. Um, so just be aware she's very, very snuggly yeah. and hasn't been human in a long time. Yeah. But she's a sweetie. Yep. So yeah, Gamaliel, um, is pretty much, like I said already, dreams and astral and any weird stuff associated with that. I also feel like any weird stuff associated with the moon. Yep. Or normal stuff. So you think about the oceans, the tides. Yep, it's very watery. Watery, your fucking menstrual cycle. Um, also sort of lunacy and lycanthropy and not like in a literal sense, but the idea that the moon comes out and it kind of transforms you and brings out this like... animal Witchy... Like the yeah. Sabbath. The witch Sabbath is very associated with Gamaliel. Yeah. Um, all that kind of stuff. Dancing naked in the moonlight and... Yep. Flying around and... Exactly. Yeah. Um, this was the sphere wherein we almost set the kitchen on fire because we were so inattentive. Um, we don't usually do stuff like that. It will make you vague. It will make you vague. And to be fair... Vix is normally a little bit, like, half on the astral plane. Anyway. Anyway. And we both have ADHD. But we don't usually, like... We... Leave a towel draped over the kettle while the stove is on and then realize the towel is on fire only when it's, like, really fucking on fire. Yes. That was scary. It uh, was scary. Um, so we kind of, um, absconded from Gamaliel in a hurry. Yeah. The first time. And went over to the sphere of Samael. Yep. By the way, I've been forgetting to say this. Yep. But I think I actually really should. Um, even though I was a little iffy about it when I first realized it. Yes. Um, 
You know how these spheres can correspond to parts of the body? Yep. You can correspond them to chakras. Yep. Yes, you can. Um, and actually meditating on the different chakras um, as you're going through them mm -hmm. is very helpful. So Nehemoth is associated with the root chakra and Gamaliel with the sacral chakra. Yep. And when you're doing your ritual to enter, it's a really good idea to breathe into those places. Yep. And to meditate on them and open them. Yep. Very helpful. It also means that if you go through all of the Klepot, you'll probably have a Kundalini awakening at some point. But, you know. Yeah, I we should learn more about that. We should, because actually those can be not so fun if you're not careful. Yes. <laughs> also, just, like, understand the system better, because we're... We don't want to be dumbass non-Hindus. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, though, despite my appropriation concerns, I felt like I needed to mention it. Because I'm pretty because sure that those... on a practical are... level, really helpful. Also, I just feel like they're, like, physically real. They're just real. Yeah. It's not a closed tradition. Yeah. But, you know. Anyway. So, we... GTFO'd from Gamaliel because I was informed that I needed to go over to the Samael Klipa. Yep. And acquire the god form of someone called Samael the Black in order to be able to really hack it in Gamaliel. Yeah. So basically the message I got was go over to Samael, and then go back to Gamaliel. Yep. So, who we're getting close to time. We can go a little bit over we can, We've gone half an hour over in the past. Don't yeah. worry about okay. it. Okay. Um, basically, <sighs> Samael is my favorite Klepa so far. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Yep. For me personally, it's a very comfortable place. I fucking love it there. Um, it's the Sphere of Mercury. Um, it's associated with the solar plexus chakra. Yep. Um, and it's inhabited by Belial. Yep. And Dromalek. And Samael the Black. Yep. Now, who the fuck is Samael the Black? He is my dude. Yep. <laughs> I love him. Um, Samael the Black, I've come to understand as the crossroads devil, the witch father... Yep. The man in black. He's kind of the, like, he's suit of pentacles Lucifer. Yeah. He's the fucking folk devil. Yep. He's the aspect of Lucifer that's really good at just walking the earth and blending in yep. a lot of the time. Yep. Like, he can just go among the people. He can show up at the crossroads and make a deal with you. He can go to the witch sabbat. Yep. He can, you know, get in a fiddling competition with some random dude. Yep. He can show up as, like, a pirate. Yeah, you know. Um, actually, yeah. Mentioning um, criminals and outlaws. Yep. And pirates. 
highwaymen, especially anarchists. Yep. Um, steal from the rich, give to the poor. All that stuff is very associated with Samuel the Black and with this sphere. Yep. And yeah, Samuel Bellamy the pirate was known as Black Sam Bellamy. So yeah, give him a Google proto anarchist, cool dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the the Klepa of Samuel. Um, it's often called the Klepa of the Trickster. Yep. Um, it's the crossroads. It's liminal spaces, disreputable places, and dens of sin. Um, poison, as we already mentioned. Yep. Which also means drugs, which also means medicine. Yep. Um, and yeah, it has a lot to do with kind of guile and criminality and being an outlaw. Yep. Um, one of the interesting things about Samael that I found in the Zohar mm -hmm. is it talks about the four deaths of Samael. Yes. And it talks about him being executed four times. Yep. By the sword, by hanging, by burning, and by stoning. So there's this association with sort of the convicted criminal. Um, also, I should mention, Samael the Black. Black is the color of the first stage of alchemy. Yep. And it's associated with the putrefaction. Yep. Um, with death, so that something can be reborn. Yep. Although also, Samael the Black... Um, when people talk about the devil as the man in black, yeah, they're often kind of like skirting around the fact that the older texts that they're referencing to with that don't talk about the devil as wearing black so much as literally being a black man very yep. frequently. And I think given all the associations with Samuel the Black and criminalized masculinity, yep, it's... And also with all the, like, direct lines in the lore yeah, of the devil to black men, it's impossible to bring up Samuel the Black without talking about, about racialization. Yep. Because fuck. Like, we live in America, which is terrible. Yep. Um, and, yeah, like, he's, as we understand him. Mm-hmm. You know, this figure of resistance and. Yeah. And like. I don't know. I feel like he's definitely throughout history has been a patron to the unjustly executed. Yes. And to the so-called justly executed at times. Yeah. Like. um, And to people who couldn't be killed. People who get away. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. And just like. Anyone who kind of lives by their wits and lives on the outskirts. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, there were plenty of, you know, thieves who were guilty of their crimes in, you know, medieval Europe who were executed. And, you know, it was often, like, to survive. So, really? Yeah, is like, that just? Yeah. What? It, and, you know, what? actually, that is another aspect of um Samuel. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of questioning. Yep. Um you know he you read a lot of sources on the Kleepote and they'll be like, oh yes, the Kleepote will make you question the values that the society of sheep has brainwashed you into, you sheeple. Yeah. Um, 
and it's true you are going to be questioning your values but it's not necessarily like you know in an edgelordy way it can be like hey is this just is this right yeah like um, it can make you well it's the tree of knowledge and the tree of knowledge is of knowledge of good and evil so it makes you ask okay like what is right yeah and you know examine that question in a serious mm -hmm. meaningful way because that's an important thing to do yeah especially if you're in our faith because you have to figure out morality you know for yourself yeah you don't follow commandments you use your knowledge of good and evil yep yeah um yeah Samuel also like is very into questioning like what actually is real and meaningful and exists yep um he really re okay so full disclosure i channeled this guy a lot yep and it was great um and very eye-opening yes but he's very not connected to concepts like for example up and down yep um because those only have relevance with regard to the earth's gravity yep doesn't really exist in space for example um yep. so you know when he talked about his fall he was also talking about it as his rise yep um he even made a the enemy's bases down reference for those of you who've read ender's game or yep. seen the movie <laughs> yes and the point of that is that his lesson is kind of that every judgment you make is made by you and with reference to yourself yes and there is no way that you can understand right and wrong or for that matter right and left yeah or up and down without reference to yourself which isn't about solipsism yep or it's about realizing that everyone is kind of has to be the center of their own universe well exactly including you yes exactly and i think that realizing that you make decisions from the point of yourself mm -hmm. and you know what you have is your own perspective is far more honest and allows you to really you yeah. know really look at what you're doing far more clearly yeah um, and all of this sounds kind of facile. I mean, it's one thing to try to describe this, and it's another to really realize it on a gut level. Yes. But one of the things he definitely taught me is, like, you have your own perspective. Yep. And only your own perspective. That is the only one you get. And, um... Yes. That's okay. And just learn how to view things through it in the best way possible exactly although of course it's ironic because i was channeling him yes so i experienced his perspective which was actually quite different than mine in many ways yes but still i was still experiencing him exactly yeah uh, so um yeah we we did the samuel Klippa. Which yep. was an interesting turning point, because the first two had been, you know, Vix doing all of the channeling. Yep. Um, 
we also, I think I forgot to mention, I was talking about the four deaths of Samael. Yes. But um, for my initiation into that klipa, we created a ritual that kind of simulated the four deaths of Samael. Yep. And followed them by resurrections. Yes. And that seemed to work pretty well. Yes. Also, we made a honey cake. Oh, yeah, the, the poison honey cake, or the metaphorically poison yeah, honey cake. Yeah, because we're both sober. Yeah. Um, yeah, and... no, I mean, if you indulge in psychoactive substances, Samael is definitely a great klipa to use that in your ritual yeah, in a responsible you know, manner. Get stoned, have a glass of wine. I would actually probably say mushrooms for that one. I mean, you can also do, you know, all yeah, of them I mean, work. All of them, but like, if I wasn't clean and sober, yeah, let's just say I would, I would be going for the psychedelic shrooms. Oh yeah, no, that because, definitely seems very yeah. Or like even just like the mugwort or the fucking you know belladonna. Though I mean, be careful with flying ointments, but yeah, be very, very careful with those. Those can be very like, Belladonna can fuck with your heart. Mugwort, if I recall correctly, can destroy your liver. Yeah. Be very careful. Well, be be fucking careful with drugs. Yep. Basically. Yep. And, like, I don't want to go on about that too much, because I'm, I'm hoping you're all adults who are not going to be idiots. But, you know. But, you know. <laughs> we don't want to, like, you know, yeah. advocate stuff that's a bad idea um yeah but i also don't want to be too anti-drug because no. i'm already clean and sober and basically the satanic temperance leagues so. right uh, no <laughs> do stuff do it safely if you want to do it yeah um but anyway so we're both sober so in order to do the sort of metaphorical poison i made a honey cake with raisins, um, sort of as a, like, wine-like element, and a little bit of nutmeg, which is toxic in large quantities, and cinnamon, which is toxic in large quantities. I think we were gonna have poppy seed, but we couldn't get it. Yes, they were out of poppy but, seed. yeah, like, a lot of, um, things on your spice rack are actually toxic at the highest... Concentrate. ...higher doses, um... And that's why we use them as seasonings and not as main ingredients. Yes, but symbolically, it's great. Yep. And also the honey cake was very tasty. It was really, I made it, it had this like honey sauce that you drizzle. It was really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then we, uh, we were in Samael for a while and then we went back down to Nehemoth for a minute. And then uh, we went back up to Samael, and um, now we're actually back in Gamaliel again. Yep. Um, this is what, day two back in Gamaliel? Yeah. So far, no fires. Yeah. I think we're mostly keeping our shit together better, but I'm also afraid that when we listen to this podcast, we'll be like, this is some Gamaliel-ass shit. Yeah. This is two people who are stuck on the astral plane and do not have a concept of, like, linear space-time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that more or less wraps it up. Yes. Um, we are going to talk 
about the rest of the clipote in a subsequent ep episode. Yeah. But we decided to cut this one off with the ones that we'd actually been to. Yep, for length and... For sort of a clean break. Yep. Wow. This is fine time-wise, especially because I end up making cuts, you know? Yeah, I should be good. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, do we have... A backwards message? Yes. You bet we do. What is it? Good. <laughs> Good. Um, so, uh, this has been Speak of the Devil, the official podcast of the First Church of the Morning Star, which is an actual church now. Um, you can find us on Stitcher, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Except not sold, because this is a free podcast. Um, but, uh, you know, we're on Twitter at Speak of the Dev. We're on Facebook at Speak of the Devil Satanic Podcast. We're here, we're there, we're everywhere. What's the email address, sweetie? It's, uh... Speak of the devil 666 at gmail.com. Wait, was it that or was it Speak of the Devil Podcast 666? You are correct. It was Speak of the Devil Podcast 666 at gmail.com. Sorry about that. You Whoever... always ask me what the email is and then you like actually know it better than me. Okay, because I'm never sure if I'm right. Anyway, uh, so the theme music was, as always, Electric Mirrors. They're on Bandcamp. They're great as far as we know. Um, we she haven't been able to get a socialist of the, the highest degree. degree. I'm a Satanist. Her mother hates me. I'm fucking this up. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> until next time. Hail, Hail Satan. Satan.